Hey there, and welcome to Recover Ed, a podcast from the Magdalene House, a recovery community for alcoholism. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization based in Dallas, Texas, and known affectionately by many as Maggie's. Every first and third Wednesday, we bring you a new release from one of our three podcast series. The Recover Ed podcast is made to educate the community on alcoholism, the Magdalene House, our programs, and resources we offer for the community. In each episode, you will get to know the disease of alcoholism a little better, and soon you'll know how you can shatter the stigma around alcoholism in your community with your host, me, Kelsey Amos, a recovered alcoholic and outreach manager here at the Magdalene House. We're so glad you're here. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of our podcast. I am really excited for our guest today. She is just, I don't know, her energy, her spirit, just her love of the program shines through. Um, Anytime I see her, talk to her, or see her in her element here at Maggie's. So I'm going to let her introduce herself. So will you give us... Uh, name, sobriety date, and then tell us how you first got involved here at Maggie's. Okay, my name is Rosalind. I like to be called Rosy. My sobriety date is actually January the 12th of 2017. Oh my gosh, congrats. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. That's um, awesome. Also, I got involved here as, as a first step client. I'm an alumni, so I went through the program. Yeah. Got here on January the 12th, 2017. That is awesome. Yes. I'm glad you made it. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and you've stayed ever since, right? Yeah, never left. Yeah. So you, and you're also a staff member. So when did you come on staff? Um, It's kind of vague, but I want to say uh, I came on staff in 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. 2019. Awesome. Yes. A couple of years sober, I came on staff. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> All right, so today we're going to be talking all about spiritual principles. So part of step 12 is, well, I'll just say step 12 is having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. We tried to carry this message to other alcoholics and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. So I feel like a lot of times when we talk about step 12, the main focus is that like sponsorship and carrying the message. But this practicing principles is so vital. So can you tell us where do the spiritual principles come from? Like, how do we get these principles that we're supposed to practice? Well, from my understanding, um, each step actually highlights um, one of the principles. Mm -hmm. So, you know, step one, you know, is honesty, you know, those kinds of things. So they highlight certain principles to look out for mm-hmm. or to, you know, incorporate into your life. And that's done, you know, basically through the 12 steps. It stands out, but they're all part of all the steps, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are certain principles that stands out, you yeah. know, every time you uh, focus on a step. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. What has it been like for you to learn how to apply spiritual principles in your life? Well, it was quite difficult uh, in the beginning, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, drinking and things like that, I, I I look back and I know how defiant that lifestyle can be. 
That's um, a good word, defiant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's definitely defiant. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to admit that, though, because, you know, there's a lot of delusion around, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not hurting anybody. Mm-hmm. I'm just doing this to get by. And, you know, yeah. um, but the truth is that uh, knowing, you know, drinking is, is a defiant lifestyle. So for me to come in, you know, to the 12 steps or to any like recovery program and be told, oh, okay, now you need to be honest or you need to, you know, be of service, you know, that's like totally the opposite mm. of, you know, what I've been doing, right. you know, obviously. So yeah, it wasn't easy. It's still not easy, yeah. right? It, it's, it gets a little bit better, a little bit easier. But in the beginning, it was pretty difficult to grasp. Yeah. Mm. Is that, does that answer your question? Yeah. Was there like a point for you where you realized, oh, I'm showing up differently now? I don't know. Like that aha moment of, oh, this is a situation where I would have done something completely different. And now, you know, God's in control or whatever. Can you think of a time like that? (laughs) (laughs) There's been quite a few times like that. Yeah. I mean, many times I can kind of look back on some of the first times, you know, I had this beautiful lady sponsoring me that Mm -hmm. was pretty much, you know, kind of guiding me through the principles, you know. So when I was disturbed, she would remind me, you know, of a principle Mm -hmm. versus, you know, a human instinct, you know, common sense. You know, she didn't ever tell me, you know what a normal person would do in that situation. She would tell me, you know, what a spiritual person, you know, would do in that situation. Mm. And then, you know, I would have to choose, okay, am I going to do it the way that I always, you know, have reacted to things, you know, or am I going to take her advice and and try this out? And that's kind of what it was like. I'll give you an example. When I got uh, sober, maybe in the first six months or so, my son was hurt at school by a kid. His, you know, gave him a black eye actually, and he was like eight years old. And I was livid, you know, <clears throat> it really upset me, and you know, really overreacting, you know, and wanting to do sorts of things that wasn't in line with the spiritual principles. Mm-hmm. And I called my sponsor instead, and um, she said, "Well." Um, we're not allowed to, you know, go off on people and, you know, those kinds of things. She said, um, the thing that I would suggest that you do is, you know, put your personal feelings to the side and think more about the other people who are involved. So, yeah, yeah, it was really hard. You know, I had to take my son to the ER and then, you know, I ended up calling that parent and kind of finding out more about what was going on with the kid and at home and, you know, more thinking of other people versus what was happening to me, Mm. how I felt about it. It was, you know, Mm. yeah. So, yeah, that was kind of my first, you know, kind of shock to, hey, you know, the spiritual principles are different than what I would normally do as a human being. Right. Yeah, this is a different, this is kind of above you know, my own emotions and feelings and thoughts. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It just reminds me of that, the line in the book 
I don't know what page is it on 27 I think yeah Dr. Dr. Young it says ideas emotions and attitudes which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men are suddenly cast to one side and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them and so I feel like that's kind of what you were you were talking about right is like we get we get to choose like am I going to act out in the same old behaviors or am I going to live by this new set of principles that I get from working the steps right yeah yeah that's so cool yeah you have to practice though it's right. not like you automatically default to the spiritual principles you yeah. know that's I think that's important to point out you know what does that look like for you to practice these principles in all of your affairs because that's actually my next one of my next questions so <laughs> Because I think it's easy to say, like, oh, yeah, just practice these spiritual principles. But I'm like, what does that look like? Well, it basically looks like you get to go anywhere and you you build relationships and you show up and, you know, the best way that you can. And if you make a mistake, you kind of have this compass. Mm. You know, was I, you know, doing my normal character, my normal reactions or was I doing, you know, the principles that I'm being taught mm. around this situation, and, you know, and, and you, you see it clear, it, everything starts to clear out, you know, it, the steps I think are very transparent in the way that they clear the path for decision-making choices. Was I, was I being kind mm. today or was I, you know, not being kind and intolerant, you know, it's, it's really basically a compass. There's a map. Yeah. You you practice by living life and, and continue to live life. Like, for instance, um, a lot of things I wouldn't do because I wouldn't want to be in a position where I was at a disadvantage or, or that it wasn't going my way or, you know, I didn't feel good mm-hmm. or it was uncomfortable. And I think today it's more like do it anyway and if any of that stuff comes up, practice these principles in that area. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you mentioned when you make a mistake, right? Because that's like we have tools for that. You know what I mean? We have tools like what we learned through the steps is, you know, because I'm human, right? I'm flawed. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to fail. We're going to fall short. But we get tools and principles like humility right to to correct that so my next question is is there an area of your life where it has been more challenging because it says practice these principles in all of our affairs right so is there an area of your life where it's been more challenging to practice principles to be more spiritually fit in that area compared to others I think mainly I would say intimacy. Um, I definitely, for some reason, when it comes to intimacy, it's hard for me to see the spiritual side of that. Mm. You know, that becomes more of a a self-centered area of my life, right? And so maybe today it's not, you know, as difficult, but I remember in the beginning, you know, I want, I've, I've been told that, spirituality is my solution right and then and then I go out and and intimately 
I'm, you know, I'm being selfish, you know, and it's obvious, you know, I want, um, and I mean, I'm talking about, you know, intimate relationship with another person. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I didn't really see, you know, the, the God given powers in that, Mm -hmm. you know, it just seemed like it, it was a transaction, you know, it was more, selfish than anything else for me you know and then I started to grow in that area because that's where I had to do the most praying you know is you know this even though this may feel good I may like this person or you know all these things are going on it's still not up to me if that person is gonna decide tomorrow you know I don't know if this is a good idea Mm -hmm. I don't want to do this with you you know so I I have learned a lot about the principle of I guess brotherly love to a sense that people don't really belong to me Mm. um along with my children my family you know it's it's really that principle in itself I think is the biggest for me yeah because people aren't objects they don't you know they're not here for my own pleasure yeah you know maybe I get to spend time with somebody or be with them you know but I only get to do that so I think that's kind of where um, the principles for me have been the most difficult and uh, I've grown the most yeah. in that area. Thank you for talking about that. Because like, <laughs> as you're talking, I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. I think relationships, it's, you know, I, I, was, I always tell my, like the women that I work with and things like that, that like we write a sex inventory for a reason, you know? So I, yeah, I completely relate to that. I think, man, I don't, I don't, I can't imagine how I survived on my own instincts. I wasn't doing very well. (laughs) And I thought I was, you know? Yeah. But I, I look back and I go, man, how, you know, you were, I was exhausted when I got here. That helped too. Cause I had already tried to manage everything. Mm. And, And once again, it had collapsed. You know, so human resources had failed me. Mm-hmm. So I was, and to this day, I still, I still feel the same way about spirituality as I did. You know, shaking from detox is it saved everything for me. And I thought it wasn't enough. Like when they told me, you know, that I needed to live, you know, by these principles, and I thought, man, you don't get it, man. This is bigger than that. But there's nothing bigger than this. If you or someone you know is an alcoholic seeking to learn foundational tools to sustain and grow in their recovery, check out the Next Step program here at the Magdalene House. Next Step is a three-phase non-residential program that lasts approximately three months and consists of recovery education, group meetings, mentorship with meeting chairs, and more. It is open to any alcoholic at any stage of their recovery at absolutely no cost. To complete a phone screening and see if you qualify, Call 214-324-9261 or visit our website at magdalenehouse.org forward slash next step. So when you came into the program, did you have some kind of spiritual life? Like, did you have that foundation before? No, (laughs) no. I mean, I I probably if you would have asked me that when I got here, I probably would have told you yes. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, and you kind of have to understand the difference between self-reliance and God-reliance. And you don't come in the doors knowing the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, there's a lot of delusions. So 
no, I did not have anywhere near a comprehension of something being more powerful than me. You know, I thought, you know, I had to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I had to be strong. You know, I had to be smart, achieve. I had to achieve, you know, so many things in order to be whole. Mm. And they had to all come from me. So, no. Um, did I, was I atheist? No. But I was surely agnostics. Yeah. Surely agnostics. Yeah. Unknowing, you know, that that I was. Yeah. So I didn't know that, you know. Because if you would have asked me, you know, I would have said, yeah, I mean, I'm a believer. I believe there's something um, that's in control. But never did I ever consider relying on that something. And there's that's two different things. Yeah. Yeah. What got you to that point? Alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the book says, right? <laughs> Alcohol is a great the persuader. Truth, it is true. Um, I didn't trust myself. I still don't trust myself. I don't believe I know what's best for me or for anyone else. You know, I still don't believe that. Um, and I was convinced that I that I could not stay sober without help for the first time. I mean, I would go to treatment and, you know, I would be convinced, oh, now that I know, I can do this. And after so many attempts, so many failed attempts at managing well, you know, I was convinced, you know, it's it's you. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. So when you, as you're going through this, as you were going through the steps with your sponsor, was there ever anything related to like the spiritual principles or like what you were doing in that? Because you said earlier, you know, we get the principles from the steps, right? We learn them as we're working the steps. Mm -hmm. Was there ever a time during that where you're like, mm, I'm not doing that <laughs> or I don't really see why I need to do that? <laughs> there were a lot of times that, <laughs> that I felt that way. A lot of times yeah. that I felt that way. Um, but obviously, you know, that didn't doesn't hold depth and weight, you right. know, what I feel and what I think. It it didn't have enough depth and weight. So what she said did. Um, give you an example. In step three, uh, step three has really been kind of sticking with me there's this faith mm -hmm. right I think that's probably the principle for step three and it's easy to say you know I have faith but it's another thing to actually experience that you had faith when certain things happened to you right. and give you an example my sponsor had me going to um, Oak Cliff I was about a couple of weeks sober and I was going I live in um, the suburbs or whatever, and I was going into the, the hood every Friday night past the places where I would get drunk and mm -hmm. go missing. And so I had to pass it to get there yeah. to carry the message. And um, at night on the freeway by myself, and I was sure my car was going to pull over at the liquor store. Like, I would drive literally just like grasping the steering wheel and just gritting my teeth like thinking that my car would pull over any moment, right, on my way there. And one day I remember calling her and saying, are you sure I should be out here? Because I thought I should be, you know, at home in the suburbs, at my home, kind of away from 
you know, danger, you know, being out where, you know, the road where the liquor stores are and all that. And she said, yeah, I'm sure. That's where the, that's where the alcoholics are. And when she said that, you know, I was, you know, still thinking about drinking and, you know, I still, you know, had the, I mean, I was just really literally holding onto my steering wheel, going to this commitment and going back home and like thinking, man, I escaped disaster each time I did it. And as I, as I did that, I learned faith. I learned how to trust God versus me. Remember, I wanted to be home, you know, kind of away from all of that, you know, because I didn't want to drink. But instead, I was out at night in my car, you know, in the trenches on the front line, you know, and as I look back, that that saved my life. I probably would not be here today had I not done exactly as she told me to do in spite of my fears and that built faith. That's where my faith started right there. That is so beautiful. Yeah. That was also my, my first commitment to carry the message was right where I used to run around and get in trouble and, you know, get messed up and all of the crazy. And I just, when I realized where it was, I'm like, Oh, I can't go there. I can't go there. My sponsor's like, yeah, you can, and you will, because you're going to carry the message to women who need to hear it. And I was just like, okay, (laughs) you know, but it's really cool having that experience of going back into those places as a different person, you know, as a principled, recovered woman. Yeah. It's just, it's really cool. And I think, yeah, now that you mention it, that did build my faith for sure. Yeah, the fact that I didn't pull over to the liquor store made me believe that there was something more powerful, you know, moving me forward. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Do you have any more stories like that? (laughs) I do. I have a lot of stories about the principles, honestly. Yeah, Um, share some. Because I think that's not like that's a question and you've done like the next step group speakers. So I'm sure they asked you, like, give us examples. Right. (laughs) So give us some examples of what does that look like? Well, there's a few of my favorite. Um, Step one is honesty. And um, first of all, I think that Maggie's does well at telling people exactly what step one is. But the one thing that we can't teach people is how does that apply to you? And what are your experiences, right? So I can tell you that there's a allergy, but your your own experiences can tell you something totally different, right? And there's a lot of delusions around the choice part of it, right? A lot of times I say I wasn't ready. Why did why did I go to treatment and, and relapse? I wasn't ready. And that yeah. was my that wasn't that wasn't truthful. That's not the truth. That's a lie. I was ready. I was ready. I was ready every time I ever tried to get sober. The truth is that I wasn't capable of doing it. You know, that's kind of what honesty really is, is. And that's still, you know, that's important every day for the rest of my life. You know, the truth is that if I ever drink again, my body is going to do the same thing that it did the last time. Right. You know, that I went on that uh, three or four month bender after 10 years of quote unquote not drinking. 
And I still remember, you know, I still remember the physical part of it, you know, how horrible it was. But the second part of the unmanageability was was just so clear after, you know, Maggie's explained it to me. It was just so obvious. Like I had never, ever saw the truth in my own experiences as I did this time. And it made a difference because I wasn't going to go out and try some plan or, you know, book says that I've had these experiences hundreds of times, you right, know, yeah. and, and so I was out of, you know, plans. There's no, there's no way for me to pull it off. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to pull it off. I might stay sober for a little while, but, you know, eventually, you know, something trivial, you know, I'll accept some trivial reason for taking a drink. So I think honesty is, and it's a different kind of honesty. You know, it's not like I'm telling lies about my drinking or, you know, I'm hiding liquor Mm -hmm. or, you know, I mean, that's not the honesty we're talking about. The honesty is that, that I'll always have this body. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get a new one. And I don't really have a choice if it's up to me. It's called unaided will. Mm -hmm. The unaided will will drink. So that's to me, you know, is the the best principle that I was ever given is to know my truth. Yeah. Know my truth. So no more, you know, shenanigans. All that has been like dissolved, you know. Well, I think it's the most important, right? Cuz mm-hmm. if if I don't know my truth, I'm going to keep getting filled with that or overrun with that delusion that one day I'm going to be able to control it, right? That mental obsession is going to stay stay running the show, you know? Yeah. So that's, I love the way you worded that. The way, that's just so beautiful. Oh. So, I mean, they're all so, oh, my biggest one is humility. Um, mm. That so. one can be so hard sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, but I got an alcoholic ego that rebuilds quickly. I remember you saying that, Kelsey. That stuck with me forever. One time you and I did a workshop together and you said that my ego will rebuild itself. Yeah. Very quickly. Yeah. So I, you know, I always will have that going on, but it's in the backseat. It's behind. It's in the backseat of humility. And every now and then I look back at that ego and say, oh, I see you back there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you back there. Hi. Yeah. You know, but humility is in the front seat. And and it took me a long time to figure out what that meant to me. Because in the beginning, it was more like, you know, groveling, the self-esteem thing. You know, yeah. I need to I, I need to put myself less than what I think I am in order to be humble. And Mm. that's not true. That's another delusion. Humility to me doesn't have anything to do with my self-esteem. I'm still the person that, you know, is capable of doing beautiful things. You know, know, we all have lots of gifts, right? Mm -hmm. But for me, humility is knowing that I can only go so far. I like that. You know, a lot of women that I've talked to can relate to that. We tend to be very shame driven. You know, we come in like we're either like egocentric or we're shaming ourselves constantly and we're not good enough and we're never going to be good enough. Right. Yeah. And I remember I had this pivotal moment when a woman that I love and admire told me, you know, shame is just another form of arrogance. 
that's just on the other end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. It like blew my mind. And she was like, humility is being right-sized. Yeah. It just, it made so much sense. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. <sighs> so, okay, one more. <laughs> what else do you love? <laughs> discipline. Oh mm. my gosh. I remember discipline like it was yesterday. It was Maggie's. It was really Maggie's because um, they had these rules, you know. Mm-hmm. They seem real simple, right? And uh, they read them every day. And I started to think about, well, what if I actually attempted to follow them? Because I'm a rule breaker. I'm a rebel. Same. Like, yeah. <laughs> if my mother told me don't do something, I couldn't wait to do it. Right. Yep. <laughs> it's like as soon as she goes in the house, I can't wait to do that. Yeah. She told me not to do. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. how I was my whole life. It got me into a lot of consequences. Mm. But at the root of that is is undisciplined, defiance, you know, mm-hmm. by nature, right? But when it, they say an alcoholic is an extreme, and mine has always been extreme. And when I first decided, you know, that I would give this program, you know, a fair shake, like I was actually going to do it. Mm. I wasn't going to talk about it. I wasn't going to think about it. I wasn't going to analyze it. You know, I'm actually going to do it. You know, I'm going to do it. And I would actually go line by line, you know, in the book on how to pray, how to react when you're upset. What do you do if you're angry? What do you do if you're afraid? You know, I would just literally, you know, read what it said and, and emulate that. Right. And discipline is one of those things. Right. But for me, when I started following those rules, it goes back to those rules at Maggie's. A lot of them didn't make sense to me. Yeah, I was like, wh- and I wanted to say, why are we doing this? But I didn't. Why? Why is it like this? Yeah, you know. And and as a matter of fact, I was afraid to say why, because you know I drank over why, my whole life. You know, why me? Why can't I do it? Why can't I have wine with dinner? Why can't I be normal, a normal yeah. drinker? Right. So. At this point, I'm just doing whatever the rules are to the best of my ability. But then one day, as I'm, you know, going through my life, I'm on my job, you know, I'm showing up, doing whatever, I'm, you know, they ask me to do. And I realize, wait a minute, it's not Maggie's that's disciplined me. It's not this job that's disciplined me. It's God has disciplined me mm-hmm. through these different channels. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't that I needed to to do things right to feel, you know, I've done that too, by the way. I was Miss Do-Gooder. So now that I know how defiant I am, how much of a rule breaker I am, I'm going to do good. Mm. And that's how I'm going to stay sober. I remember yeah. doing that. That's, this isn't the same thing I'm talking about right now. Right. This was more... I'm going to do it the way someone else wants it done. And I don't need to know why I'm doing it this way. Because I'm not really doing it for them. I'm doing it for God. Yeah. That's where that principle came in at for me. It wasn't about where, you know, my job or, you know, was I following the rules at Maggie's and not getting into the log. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it wasn't about that. It was more about 
am I going to just do things that people ask me to do and not worry about how it affects me? Right. And yeah. what I can get out of it. Yeah. So doing it because it's the right thing to do and it's yeah. what God would have us do. Do. Absolutely. Versus doing the right thing because it makes us look good. <laughs> right? So what would you say to someone who is struggling with, you know, living by spiritual principles? I would say never, ever, ever give up and give yourself some grace and get used to making mistakes. Mm -hmm. Because for me today, even, you know, today, like any time I make a mistake, it is an opportunity for me to grow. It really is. It's like, as soon as I mess up, I say to God, I say, here I am. It's me again. <laughs> it's me again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just did X, Y, Z. Yeah. And I just realized, you know, that I don't have to have it all together. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to know what I'm doing. I don't have to be doing all the right things. You know, I just have to be willing to ask for help. Right. You know, when I mess up, I have to be willing to say, you know, I messed up. What can I do? What what should I do? And quickly get through that as, you know, because that, that whole thing where, oh, I messed up and being stuck there. Oh, man, that's freaking miserable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we don't, we don't want to live there anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's that's the progress, not perfection. Yeah. That vulnerability mm -hmm. is so powerful. Vulnerability, authenticity, like these are things we learn through the steps, too, of correcting those mistakes, like allowing ourselves to make mistakes and correcting them. Yeah, because the whole thing is being useful. So if I'm so busy thinking that I'm, you know, I'm messed up, yeah, then how am I being used, you know? Right. Because I'm good enough to be used in spite of myself. Yeah. Well, yeah, because if I'm shaming myself, <laughs> who am I thinking about me? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, I could talk forever about, you know, that selfishness and shame and all of it. But yeah. Is there anything that you want the listeners to know about Maggie's in general? Oh, my God, Maggie's. I think Maggie's is a great opportunity to practice these principles. Uh, definitely, you know, if I'm when I was in the house, I mean, that was you know, the social part of it, you know, you're constantly around different personalities, different people. Working here has been, you know, what a journey of the love and, and kindness and love and tolerance. And I want to read something. I did pick something out to yeah. read. Um, so I'm in the house. I'm really thinking about like, what's going on in the house, you know, people mm -hmm. are not doing it the way I think they should do it. You know, I'm not spiritually fit. I'm calling my sponsor and I'm like, Hey, this is, you know, these people are doing this. People are doing that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and she, you know, one thing I love about the uh, Maggie's and I love about this book is that there's actually a solution for everything, right? Yes. To our problems, right? You just Any have problem to, you could ever right. have. Absolutely. Yes. So my favorite on the spiritual principles is actually in there is a solution. Believe it or not, it's, yeah, working with others is 
step-by-step instructions on working with others and practicing these principles. But in the beginning of the book, believe it or not, it prepares me for this journey. On the bottom of page 19, it says, most of us since, this is like the third line from the bottom. Most of us sense that real tolerance of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints and a respect for their opinions or attitudes, which makes us more useful to others. This is the practical application of applying these principles that I'm reading. Mm -hmm. Our very lives as ex-problem drinkers depend upon our constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs, which is the whole purpose of the principles. Right. And it is part of how am I recovered? It's the difference between being sober and being recovered. Yeah. Is those principles. Is how are they showing up in mm. my life? I, I'm so glad you said that because that <laughs> is just a perfect way Yeah. to put it. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's it. That's all I have right now. Thank you so much for coming on today. And sharing your experience with us and your beautiful spirit. And I really hope for all my listeners, I hope that you can just pick up on the incredible energy that Rosie has. Thank you so much for having me, Kelsey. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. And we will see you next time. This has been Recover Ed, hosted by Kelsey Amos and brought to you by the Magdalene House. I am Laurie Evans, host of the Hope for the Family podcast series. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Tune in every first and third Wednesday for a new release from one of our three podcast series. To learn more about the Magdalene House and the services that we offer, visit MagdalenHouse.org or follow us on your favorite social media channels by searching for the Magdalene House.